Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. latest edition of 100 the ed gordon podcast in celebration of black music month today a conversation with singer kevon edmonds edmonds is a founding member of the r&b group after seven the group consisted of brothers kevon and melvin edmonds and family friend keith mitchell the edmonds have another brother in the music industry by the name of kenny who is known to the world as babyface Under his musical direction, the group met with tremendous success and became one of the biggest acts in R&B in the 1990s. The group released three studio albums, each went platinum or gold. But as the 90s ended, the taste of music was changing. Rap and hip-hop were emerging, and After Seven's style of music was being pushed to the back. Nonetheless, Kavan and the group have weathered the storms, made a comeback, and are still standing after 30 years. Kavan and I started our conversation by talking about what all Black family groups coming from Indiana had to deal with, a comparison to the state's favorite sons, those Jackson boys. 
for us, we were just a family who enjoyed music. Uh, not all of us, like the Jacksons, were involved in music, uh, much like uh, my brother Kenny and my brother Melvin. So that being said, we had an appreciation for the Jacksons. Of course, it was the hot new music. Um, who could sing like Michael Jackson? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Nobody had that level of maturity that he had at, at such a young age and, and be able to deliver it. But it was uh, it was something, I think, that probably in the back of our minds mm-hmm. we aspired to do, but it wasn't a conscious effort. Uh, we were just doing what we uh, what we could do in our lane at the time. I think. It seems to me that your family understood also the importance of whether you were going to go into music or not, the importance of having yourself well-rounded, um, you know, understanding the importance of education and moving forward. Was that something that was, was pressed in the family? Uh, I think it was an understood thing. I think uh, my father worked to provide my mother uh, at one point was a school teacher. So education was important, you know, but when you have six knuckleheads, <laughs> six boys, we should say, boy. yeah, no, I'd never call a, a little girl a hardhead. But anyway, <laughs> knucklehead. But um, we, uh, it was a challenge. I would have to say, you know, to have six young boys, all six boys, all in a period of eight years. That's a little army all together, <laughs> and uh, trying to make sure that uh, everybody understood the importance of going to school, staying in school, you know, and we also participate in extracurricular activities too. You know, we, we got involved in sports and, you know, the student council kind of stuff that was going on at the time. So I think it was stressed well enough. Some people got it and some people did. One of the brothers who got it musically was their younger brother, Kenny. He would take music seriously from the beginning. His talent was obvious from the start. But no one could have known that Kenny was to become Babyface, one of the most prolific performers and songwriters of his or any generation. When Kenny starts to make waves and, and you know, begin his trek, um, is that something, because he, he is younger than the both of you, right. um, was that something, you know, there's always sibling rivalry. There's always that kind of push of, you know, baby brother, older brother. And and when the baby starts to move up a little bit, was that something that hit you all? Or were you just happy to see him make the waves he, he started to make? I'm talking about in the beginning, not. No, in, in, the, in the beginning, in the beginning. Um, I don't know that we all knew how special Kenny was when mm-hmm. he was growing up. What I do know that I do know that music was his voice. That was, that was the one thing that uh, allowed him to uh, communicate, if you will. Uh, that was, you know, that was how uh, he, he got in tune with, to who he was going to be. We just didn't know who he was going to be, uh, but he never let go of music. Once he got a handle, got a grip on it, he, ne- he never let go. And it was, I'm doing music, do or die. There's nothing else out here for me. So, uh, from groups, because back in the day, from this group to that group, to this <laughs> yeah. group, you know, and he's evolving, but all the time growing and learning from those experiences uh, until he finally, I think, met up with L.A. at some point in time and um, really started to kick in uh, from that perspective of being a songwriter. You know, he had written some songs before, but I think it started to really take traction. But uh, I think we all were just extremely proud of Kenny. Uh, he was such a shy 
kid growing up, you can't hate on him. How do you hate mm-hmm. on a dude who's so quiet, timid, not getting in your, he's not giving you any guff or anything like that? Kenny just had a, a, a real strong love for music and nothing else really, really registered to him unless he could find a guitar, find some way to express himself through music. Did his success um, help motivate you guys um, to even want it more? I mean, like you said, he he is a special talent. I remember talking to the Winans and them talking about Marvin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people are just special. They just have whatever it is God gives them. Um, when you start to see the kind of success that uh, 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 Face in L.A. had, um, is that a motivation for you? Uh, I believe that it was, uh, you know, Kenny had an extra dose, <laughs> if you will, of talent, but it didn't come. It didn't come without work. You know, this was this was a, a, a lifelong endeavor for him. And like I said, it was that was the only thing that he had in his sights. Um, but to see him in L.A. begin to really kind of pull all of this together from guys who were doing uh uh, local shows with local bands and so on and so forth, evolving into this mega, you know, uh, songwriter producer duo. It was it was mind blowing. You, know, you we never saw that coming. We had no idea that Kenny would become who he became. Uh, so yeah, it was a it was a charge. Uh, uh, it, it made us more hopeful. We were definitely inspired by it, and you know, uh, Kenny was that guy. So. You know, I trust I trusted Kenny. Melvin trusted Kenny that we we believed he had the year. Uh, he had a, a better idea in terms of direction uh, with regards to working with me and Melvin. Because while he was doing the stuff with uh, L.A. and uh, doing the stuff with L.A. and I think it was the deal at the time, you know, Melvin and I would hop in the car, drive from Indianapolis to Cincinnati, and we'd get into go to the apartment and we would be recording demos. You know, because he 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 really just kind of kept us kept us going and encouraging us at the same time too. What was it like um, in terms of on the road and the shows and, you know, people find groups and musicians when that first hit comes, but I tell people it, it it's the trek. It's the journey before that first hit comes that determines whether they even get there. Um, what was it like for you guys to your point? Did you do a lot of groups? Did you do a lot of local shows and regional shows or was it as it seemed to, to so many Overnight, uh, strange. Strangely enough, Melvin, myself, and Keith, we we all worked full time jobs. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we would have time to go do a group, we never really kind of made time for that. You know, Keith was in Chicago; he was working for John Hancock. Uh, you know, I was in Indianapolis working for a pharmaceutical company. Melvin was working for Chrysler at the time. The only thing that we were able to do or found time to do was uh, go and participate in the local gong shows. So when you say uh, overnight success, we actually went based upon the success, tremendous success that Kenny and L.A. were having. Uh, they were able to broker a, a deal with Virgin Records to sign us. And they had no idea what we looked like. They had no idea what we sounded like. They simply did it on the merit of Kenny and Babyface. I'm a Kenny in L.A. thinking that, you know what, 
you guys are hot. If you've got brothers that are in the industry or whatever like that, we'll sign them. So we actually walked from working a nine to five, flew out to LA in November. And by, by July, June or July of the next year, we had a record out of radio and a video playing you know, on BT. So here's what's interesting to me. I, it, uh, I got to know Bill Withers relatively well. And, and Bill talked about the idea of him having a different sense of the industry, because like you, he's like, I had a day job and I was older by the time I had my first hit. And I realized, well, if this don't work, I'm going back to work on Monday. Do what right? I got to do. Exactly right. <laughs> um, yes. How was that for you? What I mean, obviously, when you're into your life, mm-hmm. you know, um, Versus when you're 18, 19, 20, uh, and, and you know, you, you don't see the world as it is. How much did that help you in the end? Uh, tremendously. I mean, I, 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 it was it was a little bit of both. You know, it, it came with different challenges. I think I, I'm, I'm so thankful for the fact that we did have those years uh, to grow up and mature and learn you know, what, what is important. Uh, the responsibility of showing up on time, punctuality. You know, being about your word, all those things, because oftentimes a lot of the young acts, a lot of the acts that are signed, they're signed when they're much younger. And so the world is a big, big world. They don't know. And uh, they basically are told, you go here, you go there. This is what you need to do. Um, so for us, we we question, which <laughs> in the record industry, yeah. what was all of this? Why aren't, you know, why can't they just go? But, you know, we've lived. So I'm not trying to you know, give you any static. I just like to know what time do we need to be, where we need to be, what's going on, you know? And so they weren't accustomed to that. So in in some ways it was very, very beneficial for us. When we were out there on the road, we knew we'd do the business, get done with the stage show, boom, we're out. We're not hanging around. We're not partying because, you know, we're we're trying to, we're trying to watch our ends, (laughs) you know, we're trying to make sure that at the end of the day, when we come back home, we haven't blown everything that we went out there on the road to do what we tried to go earn. So there was a definitely a, a, a an advantage with being older and having a, a keen, more keen sense about the, uh, the financial climate. You know? It was it was clear to me, and I didn't know whether it was again face being in the industry as he had been, and you all knowing the industry from the inside. But it was clear to me when when I first started watching you guys mm-hmm. that it was about the craft and the business to you too. I mean, I've been around uh, entertainers for many many years, and it's easy to see. Yeah. Okay, this cat gets it. Right. This cat does not. Um, when you guys hit, though, um, it wasn't a trickle. I mean, you you mm-hmm. all exploded. And it, old or not, that's got to be something when you when you come out and hit like the way you guys hit. Oh, it was a it, it was a fantastic experience. It was it was almost like an out of body experience you know, that this could this could happen, you know, that, you know. Eight months ago, we were working our nine to five. Our lives are totally, totally turned upside down. We uh, we're doing uh, things that we didn't ima- we we had hoped and dreamed of, but there was it didn't really ever seem like there was a vehicle where we were that would get us there. I mean, everything I think, as we all know, I think everything happens for a reason. But when this opportunity presented itself, it it, it opened the door to uh, to us having the chance to change our lives and it did it absolutely did it changed changed our lives and we lived a different lifestyle uh once we uh 
got going in the music industry. Let me ask you this. The, the thing I love about groups when they have two lead singers is the trade-off. You know, I always think about the dramatics with L.J. Reynolds and Ron right. Banks or the, the, maybe the classic sense is the O.J.'s with, with Eddie and, and, and Walter, the Spinners. You know, yes. uh, you know, with Bobby Smith and Felipe Wynn and, and, and the comparison with you guys, I think, is the whispers because you have literally two siblings. Right. That can d- go back and forth. What was it for you to have your brother and to be able to trade and blend? I mean, there is something about sibling voices um, that that is magic, I think. Yeah, well, I agree with you. It was a, it was magic. And um my brother Melvin, he had such a soulful, soulful delivery. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing I can always trust with my brother Melvin is that uh, he was never afraid to take the lead. He was never afraid to. He always kind of knew what it was and how it was he was going to sing something. He was never, uh, oh, which, which way, to, what do I do here? I could, I could rely on him to do that um, always. And, you know, interestingly enough, Melvin was the one brother in my family who really brought performance and live entertainment into our household that opened the door for us to make us see things in a way, you know, you know, we were just six boys doing different things, you know, some playing basketball, wrestling, whatever like that. But Melvin, Melvin had this real desire uh, to perform. And so when he when he opened that door, he introduced that to both uh, Kenny and I. And um, but. uh, it was always a, a special moment to be on the stage with Melvin because he always was very confident and knew what his delivery was going to be. He always knew how to dress up. If I'd sung a note, not to worry. Melvin knew how to slide in and massage it and dress it and come off of it. But it was always such a soul-stirring performance with Melvin. And I think it, it is magic. It was magic, rather, let me say, um, that we were able to uh, share our gifts in that kind of way because it was very, very special. What was it for him? Um, you know, in the beginning, I think your voice was the one that people became familiar with. Um, and there's always one. I, you know, I, I used to tease Walter at, with the OJs because Eddie was the one who people assumed and he was right. bigger and he was, you right. know, and people just assumed that he was always a leader. It was the same with Felipe Wynn. Right. And the spinners. But Bobby Smith sang the majority of the songs. Um, it takes a special kind of person to understand that and and live with that and and still kind of do their magic. Um, right. Was that something that he, he, a, he either had to work on ego wise mm-hmm. or was it something that he just understood? Look, this is my role. And together we're better for it. You know, I, I think that's what it was. I think a. Uh, we're better together because, you know, you know, later on, uh, I had uh, I pursued a solo career, but it was never a consideration prior to that. We were uh, we were a team. We uh, we were that package and uh, one didn't work without the other. Uh, it, it just felt quite natural. Uh, and even though I had a high voice and people came to recognize this, I think and, and, and maybe it took a little bit more time, but people came to really have a real true strong appreciation mm-hmm. for the tonality the soulfulness uh that my brother would deliver and they knew that there was there was something very very special about my brother and the way that he sang as well 
Yeah, I think it was often when people finally saw you all or saw the videos that they understood, mm-hmm. oh, that's not Kevon singing that part. Right, right. You know, right. The, the assumption is just the slight change in voice and it's still you, but people get to understand that that's the dynamic. I read one time or heard, I was looking at some interviews, past interviews as I was getting ready for this, that you talked about finding your voice once you got into After 7 in a real sense. You know, people can listen to early recordings of anybody almost, and you can, if you have the ear, tell right. who their influences were. Right. You know, I I, I mean, you know, to, to take it further, I remember Billy Joel talking about he did a better Ray Charles than Ray Charles. Uh, you know, and so, um, so talk to me about the experience of finding Kevon and not doing what, you know, a little bit of this person, a little bit of that person, a little bit of finding your voice. Um, wow. It's really, it's really simple. Um, what I did, what I always used to do was emulate, uh, Others, people, whoever the whoever was hot at the time, if it was Luther Vandross, if it was Jeffrey Osborne, whoever it was, if it was people, Bryson, you, I'd have sang that song the same way that they did. Mm-hmm. That's who, that's, that's not who I was, but that's what I did. It wasn't until I got into After Seven and I had an empty canvas for the first time for a song that no one else had sang. And I had to sing it the only way that I could sing it, which made it mine. Uh, And it wasn't until being in the group after seven and recording. So you can sing all day long. You can sing in clubs, this, that, and the other all day. It's nothing compares to going into a studio and recording and getting a real sense of who you are because it's down on tape now. Um, And that was my, that was my experience finding out who, who Kevon was and my voice and uh, and what that sound was about wasn't until we stepped into the studio with L.A. and Face. that makes a difference really well written songs that has a story that resonates with you i'm an emotional singer you know and so uh when something excites me it, it's it's adrenaline and it's all those things that, that come into play and um a note let me say it this way a note that i that you might say you sing hi see if you can hit that note hit this note and um my first inclination is well probably that's not i don't think i don't think i can hit that note but if you present it to me in such a way that I get the story and I understand it and I feel passionately about it, there's just something that happens mm-hmm. and you find a way to get there. I find a way to hit a note that I didn't ever think that I could hit. And um, that's kind of been my experience over the years. Let me go to two stories I've heard and I've heard different stories. So I'm, I'm going to try to get you to give me the real one. Uh, after seven. The name came from what? I've heard three or four different stories on this. Well, I'd like to hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were trying to decide what is going to be the name of this group. We couldn't really figure it out. Now, from what we can recall, um, it was 
back in the day when you had your answering machine, <laughs> you know, and uh, Kenny had had a message left on uh, left on his answering machine. Hey, such such a whatever, 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 whatever. But you know, give me a call after. You know, you can call me back after seven. And Kenny threw that at us. What do you think about? What do you think about the name after seven? Well, for someone who didn't really have a name that we felt mm-hmm. really passionate about, we thought, okay, after seven sounds feels feels nice. You know, we could liken it to after six. You know, formal attire, but maybe you know, make it casual elegance instead. Mm-hmm. After six, after six, after seven, mm-hmm. casual elegance, and that's. My recollection. What you heard. <laughs> I've heard everything from they were waiting on y'all uh, to get in the studio and they said, oh, they ain't going to be here until after seven. And this, uh, that. I mean, you know, you get all of those things, but that's yeah. the fun of, of lore. Right. So right, you get all this. Another one of those stories that you've heard for many years is that you guys were initially the ones to record my, my, my. Yeah. It started on that. Was that. Was that true? Yeah, we uh, we had played with that. Uh, what else did we, we we did a couple of things, uh, and I think uh, I think it was. I, I don't know if they were looking at that for us or whether they were looking at us to demo that because I think that song. Uh, uh, I think that song might have even been introduced to the whispers, and I don't think they were interested in it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it worked out and. Uh, it went to the person it was supposed to go to, and a yeah, song, yeah. a song will find who who it belongs to, you know. And Johnny, he owns that song. While they may have missed out on my my my, they would go on to make classics of their own, including "Ready or Not," "Can't Stop," and "Heat of the Moment." But all was not gold. Melvin would have challenges with substance abuse. We all have family members who who struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, no secret that, that Melvin struggled with, with substance abuse and some of the other things that he had to deal with. How difficult was it for you to, you know, night to night go through what it takes to go on the road or, you know, in the studio and deal, um, but still be right next to your brother and see the struggle because right. you love that person and you want them like, dude, look what we're right. doing. Let's get this right. together. But it's never that easy. No, 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 it's not. And it wasn't. What I could say is that uh, fortunately, I think for us, it was not a, a nightly thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think Melvin, uh, he knew the importance of what we were doing, what we were out here trying to accomplish. And there were, it, at best, I would say episodes, but they weren't as frequent as uh, one might believe when you think that mm-hmm. someone is having challenges with substance abuse. It was there were just little pockets. Moreover, I, I can tell you this: uh, I can think of only one time that he didn't he, he didn't show mm-hmm. out of all those uh, out of, over the years that we performed. There was only one time that he uh, he actually didn't show. And outside of that, you know, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's always a challenge. You know, you, you try to touch on the subject matter without um, judging. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult, very delicate balance to do that. Um, 
But, you know, and sometimes brothers say it right. And sometimes brothers say it wrong. <laughs> I've been there, Doc. Trust me on that. Trust me on yeah, that. Yeah. So, you know, but um, moreover, uh, I think Melvin's love and passion for the music is what really kind of came to the top each time. And there were times that he, he just didn't agree. It had nothing to do with, you know, you know, uh, nothing to do with uh, substance abuse. Melvin was a uh, very, uh, he was very firm about what he believed and how the sound ought to be and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. And oftentimes he, he would just take a stance and, uh, you know, um, I couldn't be mad at him. Yeah. You know, he, he wanted to be right. When we return, Kavan talks about a two decade layoff, a personal tragedy and their latest project. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. After two platinum and one gold album, After 7 was caught up because of the change in what kind of music was popular. Rap and hip-hop started to become the sound of the day. 
Melvin Edmonds grew disenchanted for a number of reasons and decided to step away from the business, not wanting to record as a group without his brother. Kavan was left to decide his musical future. How much did you have to grapple with the idea of whether I want to, you know, either go solo or even continue down the line? Um, you know, it, a lot of people don't know that the story, when we left Virgin Records, we were fortunate enough, thanks to a big-hearted gentleman by the name of Phil Cordero, who uh, was willing to let us walk from Virgin Records uh, back in 96. Um, but, uh, and, and to be, to let us walk and let us walk debt free, you know, that's kind of like unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, there were some, some players <laughs> in the company who felt like, you know, you know, they owe us money. Don't, don't let them go. But he was willing to do that. He said, in all honesty, he felt like there's no way anybody's going to pick you up if you got this debt hanging over you. And that was true. However, what we found out is, as finally uh, we were free to stop a deal, the music scene had begun to already change. And so what we were bringing was not as interested, interesting to some of these other potential labels. And so here we were, what, what next, what next? And um, uh, right in between, we had a soul food and milestone. We did this thing with milestone and, uh, it seemed like, okay, well, you know, we, there was a lot of word. And for know, people that don't know, we should note that that was you and your brother and um, the Jodeci brothers. Yeah, Casey and JoJo. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and the movie Soul Food was, was the, the yeah, exactly. soundtrack. Sorry. Yeah, From the movie Soul Food. And we, we, had, a, we had a part in, in the movie, but, you know, it was a fictional group, but it, it felt really good. And so there was talk and buzz about, well, maybe we should go ahead and see what that looks like. And, um, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of hurdles that we we're going to have to jump through in order to make that happen. I thought, you know what, I could sit around here and wait, 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 or I could decide to, uh, move on and make a new, uh, move into a new transition. And that's when I ultimately decided to go ahead and go solo. Edmonds would release a couple of solo albums. The first would go gold. He's met with moderate success as a solo artist, but he hasn't matched the levels he found with After Seven. There are certain people whose talent, I think, doesn't always register in the industry. I remember having, I remember sitting down and having a a long conversation with Phyllis Hyman, as a for instance, for me. Um, And there are certain people, and I count you as this, who I really think should be much bigger mm-hmm. because of their talent. Forget everything else, just because of their talent. On the days that you did close the door and feel like, you know, I know I'm talented and I know I should be here. Um, how, how have you dealt with that? Or have you? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being presumptuous, but. You know, there were, there were opportunities. There were opportunities along the way early on, even with After Seven, where, you know, I was pitched the opportunity to go solo right after our first, (laughs) right after our first record by uh, a couple of co-presidents of Virgin Records. But um, my thinking was that we waited this long to finally get here. And I got here uh, with family. I got here with a longtime friend, Keith Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Who would I be? 
to dump them off and go pursue a solo record. Now, my career could have been, who knows? But I feel like the choices that I've made, the decisions I've made have been the right ones. And uh, here we are some 30 years later and we still have opportunity. Still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's what I, I think I'm on the right path and everything that is for me will be for me, despite what it, whatever it may look or sound like to others, you know? Yeah. It, it's interesting to me because uh, I think timing has to do with everything too. And to your point, by the time you guys got there, hit it big, the shift of what the era of the public was starting to go toward hip hop and rap and the like. With Melvin no longer singing and Kavan trying to find comfort in his solo career after Seven's future was in question, eventually music's pull was too strong. With his son joining the group, Melvin decided to go back in the studio in 2015. He lent limited vocals to a new album that would be the first in two decades for the group. Timeless would be released the following year, and it became a hit. The album would chart five top ten songs. Was that surprising for you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I I would say this probably, you know, for some people, I've, I've watched some people make choices about coming back and doing a record after they've had their heyday, so to speak, right? And they decide we're going to record again. And it never quite hits. It never quite hits. So there, there's all already this kind of built-in reservation, like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, maybe we'll leave what we got intact and, you know, you've got the best of what we did and, that, and that's good enough. But it wasn't until my brother Melvin finally said, and we would never consider recording without him. There was a time when Melvin felt like he he wasn't he just wasn't going to do this anymore, mm-hmm. and we, we respected that fact. But finally, he decided that he would he'd be willing to do a record again, and so hey, so let's see what we come away with. And we we thought, and having been out of the business, out of the industry for twenty years, uh, uh, a lot of changes taking place. We thought, well probably not going to do an album, but maybe we'll go out here, throw a single out and get a singles deal. But little did we know they're not interested in singles deals from groups from mm-hmm. you either give us an album or we got nothing going on. So, but we all were completely taken aback after we recorded the first song, uh, I want you, uh, we all stepped out, let, uh, Kenny's mix engineer, Paul Booten, uh, uh, go ahead and kind of shape some things up. And when he said, okay, guys, come on in. I think I got, you know, I think we, it's close. We came in and we all stood around there and we listened and we were all blown away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like, wow, we, we still sound like after seven. You can tell that that it, it's us. And um, that is what, that was the catalyst, I think, that got us to continue to move forward and, and record an entire album with, with Daryl Simmons and Kenny uh, and a couple of other Kenny's writers. Um, we went ahead and completed an album. With little did we know that you could walk away from something that long ago, be away from it, listen, walk away, but be away from it that long and come back and have the kind, first off, not put the success to the side. Let's talk about whether or not you had the skill set, the ability to still mm-hmm. deliver and, and, and everything still be intact well enough that it's uh, it feels good. It's recognizable for, as 
for who you are. And those were the first and most important things. So um, we, again, we, when that happened, we thought, okay, well, maybe we got something here. Let's, let's continue going down this road. With the tremendous success of the Timeless album, in spite of Melvin not touring with the group, their future seemed promising. But in 2019, Melvin would succumb to health issues and pass away. I was curious about you having been on stage with Melvin all these years, you know, to your right or to your left, um, how you, you've dealt with the idea of carrying on the career, but not having not only that familiar face, but your brother right next to you. Um, you know, uh, for, for, for several years, uh, my brother Melvin had chosen uh, not to really perform for a while. You know, yeah. he just had his kind of had his feel, you know, which I, I understand, you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, trappings about this business. People, uh, consumers, fans, they just have no idea <laughs> about all the things that you go through as an artist and what your expectations may be only to find out, Oh, it's nothing like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, in this business, there's always a, uh, you get your share of disappointment and sometimes, uh, you, you, you can deal with it and sometimes you don't. So there was a period of time where my brother felt like, you know what? Time out. I'm good. I'm good. But it was really, it was a really a beautiful thing to have his energy come back when he came back on the stage. Cause it was like nothing else. Nothing else like it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my brother, my, my nephew was with me on the stage. So it was actually all family on the stage at one point when Melvin returned. And um, I had to, I had to uh, get my nephew's attention. I said, Jay, 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 we're performing. Because he was at this point where he was just in the days just watching and listening to his father because we hadn't had his voice around. Mm-hmm. And it was such a, uh, a wonderful and just pleasant feeling to see him doing what he, what he did, did so naturally. It came so natural for my brother Melvin um, when he hit the stage because um, it was everything that he ever wanted to do. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but he was that person, even though there was music in our household, he was that person who brought live music and performance mm-hmm. to our household. We didn't know anything about it, but he had such a strong yearning for performance and, and, and having a band at the age of 16. He was a front man of his own band and they weren't bad either. You know, so he was kind of setting the stage uh, for all of us, for for. Kenny, who had music that just lived through him. Me, I was, I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do um, at the time, but Melvin had such an impact and an impression on Kenny and I as we uh, continued to evolve and grow in this business. Uh, we miss him. I miss him. I know that Keith misses him too because um, he was no nonsense. He got to the business of it all every time he stepped on the stage. It was like, you know, you never had to wonder whether or not he was going to hold it down. My brother Melvin always held it down. Uh, and in a, you can appreciate this in a David Ruffin kind of way. 
<laughs> you know, that was that was my brother Melvin. So and, and it was such a soulful delivery and performance with with intention that, um, you know, and, and not to slight anybody else has come along. Even my new guy is very talented guy. But there was a a, a connection that my brother had um, with those singers of old that I think kind of steered him and guided him. So so all of that is missed. You know, my uh, my brother's gone today. And I know this sounds kind of strange, but you'll understand it when I say that when he passed, I was glad that he passed when he did prior to COVID, you know, because we got a chance to say goodbye in the right way. And a lot of people during this period haven't had that opportunity to. They missed some, you know, some very special moments to say goodbye to their loved ones. And we were fortunate enough that our family was all still here. We could all gather and, uh, and you know, say goodbye to him, pay tribute to, to the man, to the father, to the brother, to the friend that he was to everybody. Melvin's son Jason would depart the group, leaving Kevon and Keith Mitchell to once again try and replace that third spot. Danny McLean is a natural. Uh, uh, he's, a, he's a natural uh, vocalist and performer. Um, he is uh, learning to assimilate. You know, uh, he, he, he can go, so you have to learn. We have to throttle him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to make him know uh, well, when to go and when not yeah. to go, how to, uh, how to deliver it in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that we have typically been known uh, to, to, to deliver songs. Uh, he's, a, he's a very optimistic and hungry guy. Uh, who loves the stage, who loves performance. And so it's, it's on one hand, uh, while we are adjusting and, and, and doing what we can to bring about a fit with Danny, um, I think that uh, he's showing up as well as anybody's ever shown up for mm-hmm. us. And he, he, he's getting the big picture here. And I think uh, over time, uh, I think fans will come to appreciate his vocal talent and skill uh, as we continue to move forward. Let me ask you about the new project, uh, Bittersweet. The first single from what I assume will be an album down the line. Um, any, any, not hesitation, but any angst about the idea that timeless was, you know, resonated with people so much. Mm -hmm. There's always that kind of, okay, are we, we got that magic again when you went back in with this one? Um, I felt like I wanted to go a slightly different direction this time around. And it is a a little different. We should know. Yeah. And I was and we were fortunate because, you know, we did the recording of this record, this entire record. By the way, we do have an album that will be forthcoming titled Unfinished Business. Um, But um, we had the good fortune of not uh, feeling like 
because I can tell you this, a lot of artists felt like we were scrambling, grasping for straws when everything shut down. What do you do next now? Are we we're doing Zoom performances, this, that, and the other? And a lot of people felt like they had to do that. I, that wasn't something I felt like would give the best of who we were. But we had the good fortune of going into a studio and recording during COVID. Um, and it was, uh, for us, um, it was such a good thing because um, it was hopeful in a time when everything was turned upside down mm -hmm. uh, that the world, I don't care what your business was, I don't care what your age, whatever whatever it was that you did or, or do in life, you in some kind of way or another were impacted by COVID. And so for us to have the good fortune of going into a studio, making sure it was a safe environment and recording uh, was truly a blessing because it, it gave us a tremendous amount of hope uh, moving forward and not, not just letting Timeless be the last piece of work that we did. Yeah. But um, we were really thrilled with selecting this particular song, Bittersweet, because uh, uh, it actually resonates on, on a couple of fronts. Those people who know After Seven and know our sound know that it's us. It's different. And for us, and what we appreciate is the fact that our, our, our fans, true established fans, are allowing us the opportunity to stretch, mm -hmm. you know, which is something sometimes fans just want you to give they me don't the same thing. That's I right. Want. Give me the same you thing. You know what I want, right? You know? <laughs> so so they, they've given us the room yeah. to do that, and they follow us. But at the same time, what we've also learned is that it's begun to skew a younger listener. So we've got people who are 22, 25 years old and, uh, and so on that are having appreciation for this particular song, Bittersweet. So it's kind of, uh, it's broadening our base in a way. Yeah, well, as, as an old, old fan, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I will say, just don't go too far. There's a limit. No, no. I mean, uh, oh, you know, uh, we always believe in keeping it tasteful. We always yeah. believe in telling a story. Uh, I think that we're we're just storytellers through song, and uh, we like to we like to sing about love, life, relationships. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cover something that touches you in one way or another. Uh, is really how we do, and and because it was so different, it was a thing that um, when we listened to the lyrics. We felt like even though the track was doing something really, really different, mm -hmm. um, we felt like there was enough meat on the bone, so to speak, in terms of the story and uh, what we could sing about. We felt comfortable enough to be able to sing about that because it, it still stayed within the lane and the vein of what After Seven yeah. does. When we talk about music and, and the ear of the public and the like, um, are you are you excited by the fact that not that I mean, look, it's just a smash, but I thought about you guys when um, Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars put their thing together, right. you know, leave the door open. I mean, that is the era, the genre, the kind of stuff that you all have been known for. So to to kind of further that by extension, the door is open now, right. I think, right. for, for your sound. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I said this because I, I thought, wow, they here they are. They're running in our lane. I think the last time we were out, who uh, I call I call Bruno the Dragon, 
because he he's like the dragon who guards the cave. You can't get in. So that's <laughs> what we were with a couple few of our singles with with uh, with uh, Bruno Mars. He's sitting at number one. We can't get around him because he's guarding <laughs> guarding the number mm-hmm. one spot. So to have him come back again this time with Anderson Pack uh, and really kind of walking in our lane. Uh, I think, uh, I feel like it was a, it was a godsend. It, it, it kind of, uh, lets people know that this music is still, uh, relevant. It still has its place. You can dress it up any number of ways you want to, but, uh, uh you can, but you can tell the story, but you got to tell it in such a way that it still feels good. And they make it feel really, really good. We got some bona fide after seven, uh, uh, love songs that you're gonna you're gonna have you have an appreciation for. I'm just glad that we made the choice that we did in terms of releasing the the first single that we have. Well, hey man, as I said earlier, I've been a fan uh, since day one, and I look forward to um, to the new project. The single is bittersweet, and um, happy that this thing is over to a point where we can get out on tour. So as I as I did, I'll throw a video up of me trying to sing with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, man. Great to have you on, on, on the show. Man, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. I think the last time I saw you was back in maybe 2002. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, man. Well, good to see you, man. You good to great, see man. you, man. Remember, After Seven's new single, Bittersweet, is out now. And look for that new album coming soon. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. 
Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.